idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Taylor Bell, the creator of the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. And that's the whole bio. Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It goes. Hey, Taylor. Greetings. Hey, why don't you give us a little bit more of a, of a bio? Can you? Sure. You um, there's not a whole lot to tell, but... Um, so I grew up in Minnesota. I've been living here my entire life. Um, the last few years, I've been working at metaphysical bookstores in Minneapolis. Um, started at Iaforus, and now I'm at Magus. Uh, they're kind of the two big bookstores, I guess. I know Magus. I know the owner. Nice. Roger? Absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a good guy. This old school over there, I love it. He's a Luciferian. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah he's really interesting. He's retired now, but um, he still comes around every once in a while. Yeah, it's a great institution. Yeah, it's a good place. Um, yeah, I guess beyond that, I do a little bit of writing, uh, fiction, nonfiction. Obviously, I made the the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. It's kind of my first big project. Um, Which we're all waiting for with well. bated breath. Yes, it is. Uh, so I actually give you a real quick update. Um, we have 130 colored decks made. Uh, I should be getting the black deck paper this week. Uh, sometime hopefully on Friday, and then we'll start doing uh, sorting and then quality assurance for all those. I can't remember um, if I ordered both or just the colored one or just both, right? Hopefully both, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'll start shipping the colored decks uh, actually later this week, and then uh, the black decks whenever we start getting built, probably probably early February. Sweet, my my goal. Awesome. So, and just on this this bit of the show, what inspired you to? Because I I love your tarot deck, and Thanks. I love someone. I love people that bring new, exciting stuff into the into the field. And you've certainly done that. What inspired this deck? How did it come forth? Um, I don't know if I have them. Oh yeah, I found a deck of blank cards when I was at a. So I actually, I forgot to mention, I do board game uh, creation too, like board game con concept um, designing, stuff like that. And See, I went I to- knew there was more. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's always more. It just doesn't, doesn't come to the forefront so often. Uh, I was at uh, a board game convention that was hosted by the Game Crafter, which is a Wisconsin-based um, you know, game, board game creation group. And uh, they were just giving away paper, basically, uh, you know, blank cards. So I stacked up 78 and uh, brought them home. And then I, I thought about it for a little bit and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start making a tarot deck. More, more, more so it was like, I'm gonna start taking notes, like flashcard style notes of the symbols and sigils that are on tarot. Uh, and I started with the, the Toth and then kind of did uh, some of the Rider weight stuff too. Um, just looking for the common symbols, where they are, what, what they come from. I'm looking through like the Book of Toth and uh, Lon Milo Duquette's Understanding the Toth Tarot is a really good book as well. He turned us down for an interview, by the way. Lon Milo? Yeah. Oh, he's a he's an interesting guy. Yeah. I, did I you say why? Last summer. Uh, if you did, I put it into the declinations Discord. <laughs> I'll have to look back there. You mentioned board games. Um, I used to hang out with guys from Mayfair Games, 
back okay. in the day. Um, they did like British Rails and Empire Builder and all that shit. There were a bunch of Chicago guys. And then I had a bunch of friends who used to work for, for Midway and Bally and did okay. CoinOp. And they actually were the guys who wrote, um, they started a company called Macromind, which turned into Macromedia, and they, they're the guys who actually wrote Director and Flat, Shockwave. Wow. Yeah. Small world. Very. <laughs> Especially when we're talking that world, and then Jerry's just got his hands all over it. I know. Back, yeah. Jerry, Jerry's the OG. I've been around. For real. I've been around, <laughs> like, on the periphery, but not enough to get filthy, stinking rich, which kind of stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I miss the dot-com. Yeah, just to have stuff you were involved in. Exactly. I was involved in all this shit, but I never got any money out of it. It keeps you real, though, right? For sure. <laughs> Dude. But, yeah, board games, it's it's a fun industry. It's, uh, it's a very competitive industry, I found out, and I, I've met a bunch of people. That was actually kind of what got me back down into Minneapolis was – trying i was doing design work at the time uh, like web design stuff like that and i was trying to uh figure out some fun stuff to do and thought i would try designing board games and uh found out very quickly that i'm also interested in in designing the game mechanics of board games not just like visual aesthetic board games. but um yeah it's it's a it's an interesting field for sure where you may have said this and i apologize if i didn't hear it where in minnesota are you from uh minneapolis okay yeah okay yeah it seems like so many people just around the general area in the midwest go to like madison or minneapolis so you never you never know it's a good place for sure yeah oh yeah i mean i yeah I love them. I'm from there, so. That's what you said. What what part are you from? Home sweet home. I was born in Des Moines, but I have the Scandinavian section of my family is in the on the border over there by New America and all that. Okay, the Iowa Minnesota border. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I'm sure, like back in the, I'm sure they're, you know, I don't know much about how they moved around, but I'm sure, I know that there's some up by Saint Marie. There's like my family's way more into the genealogy than me, That's so, fair. but yeah, we, we definitely have the the Norwegian coming out of that area. Yeah, which is why when I first saw you and I didn't realize this, I'm like, this looks like a Minnesota boy. <laughs> <laughs> this looks have you just ever, like everyone I grew up with. Have you ever been nice. to uh, Virginia, Minnesota? I am not. You're lucky. Why? It's a shithole. Oh, What's like, the punchline here? No Jerry? punchline. It's like the only place in Minnesota I've been. <laughs> you, Jerry, oh, you've been there. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's up on the border. I went up and did like portaging for a weekend. Or no, I went to a fishing trip up there. What border? Canada. Okay, gotcha. That border, the big border. The big border. The big border. It's, gotcha. it's like right on the border. <laughs> right. I used to live in Fargo. Uh, well, Moorhead, which is in the Minnesota side of Fargo. Mm-hmm. East Fargo, they call it. I call it. <laughs> I just saw a preview for a new season of Fargo or a new show called Fargo, which doesn't look anything like the movie. Oh, interesting. It's like... Uh, is it about actual Fargo? Because the movie and the TV show are not about Fargo, which is very strange. Well, the movie's about Fargo. Uh, loosely. It, it's about Bemidji. 
Yeah, it, yes. the first scene takes place in Fargo, but yeah, only, only the first scene. <laughs> I don't know. I details, Jared. I, details. I, I forget. It was. It was. It looked. It looked woke. I'll just put it that way. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which reminds me, the Watchmen, the new Watchmen series, got canceled. Oh That's man! Not surprising. Was it a uh, Netflix thing or uh, HBO? Oh, okay. And this new show they have, Avenue Five, it's so bad. God. I'm not I'm not up to date on all this. I can't believe they put it on the air. It was just not funny and it was completely retarded, to be honest. Oh man. I'm just now getting around to watching X Files for the first time. The original or the new ones? Oh the original. They're, they're, <laughs> they're kind of cheesy now. They yes. are looking <laughs> it is so hard. I saw somebody talking about oh is montana jordan going off on which is at eastwick back in the day you know it was always kind of a little cheesy but it was still had a little bit of fun to it but looking back at it now man what's the one it's a i want to say it's a zemeckis film about oh death becomes her it's called yeah oh that's yeah. a great Ruth movie. goldie hahn yeah 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 i, I always think of that isabella I, rossellini the beautiful still Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, fuck that good jeans. All right, enough chit chat, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get my Elsa gown on. Take it away, I Elsa mean... the She Wolf. <laughs> I I actually have relatives with the that name is a common name. Uh, anyway, so here we go. I check out my awesome like shirt. Oh wait, we're having a Jerry moment. Disobey, and oh, it's a gremlin too. The bad gremlin. The Fed After yes. Midnight Gremlin. We need this more. We need an Oxmente shirt that's kind of like that. Disobey. I will get right on it. I love it. Okay, so give us the, the lowdown on the stuff that inspired you, Taylor, when you were very, as far back as you can recall, the stuff that sticks up now. And I, I really like the fantastical stuff. So in, as you know from listening, you know, from cartoons to movies to whatever kind of, even politics, things that just stick out in your memory as far back as you can recall? Um, you know, as far as you, you mentioned cartoons, the first thing that popped in my head is uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, which I don't know if you guys ever, you probably were a little little too old for that. Maybe, I don't know, you know, who knows, but it was a, a like a horror cartoon. It was kind of kind of different from a lot of the stuff that's on TV even today, it's, it was some of the episodes of that show were pretty disturbing. Um, that, that you know that that pops out of my head. I really am I'm intrigued by the dark and kind of like macabre, you know, um, a lot of that that type of stuff. But another thing that popped out in my head, we, and we were talking, uh, Gary and I were talking earlier about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I don't know when I was, gosh. 10 or something like that i got into DD for the first time uh, and that always sort of reminds me of the renaissance fest so that that kind of aesthetic of yeah, kind of not necessarily medieval but the renaissance type vibe uh, feeling closer to closer to the world closer to nature closer to the craft if that makes any sense i'm really i'm really intrigued and impressed by when people are able to do something with their hands to kind of um, make something, you know, to take an idea and turn it into a thing. Um, 
those those things have always kind of stuck out i i love that and and for me as well i think a lot of us that are creative in the world i don't know if you if you've noticed this taylor we don't get honed in on like the what do you do i just paint it's a, actually a state of being we everything we do is actually creative and if we're interested we're just going to follow it yep i like and that, that yeah, I find that's true with really, truly creative people. And I'm certainly, even if they're latent in their creativity, and I don't know if Jerry's latent in it, but since I've known him, he's woodworked, he's made magnets, he's oil painting now. I mean, nice. we could go on. <laughs> he's just everywhere. Woodworking is another thing that I've been trying to get more into um, in the last few years. My dad and my grandpa are both woodworkers, and uh, I've I built a bookshelf with uh with my dad last year um as sort of a, a first big project and part of the sigil arcanum project we have nice jerry's showing some is it some bowls nice. turned yeah bowls i turned beautiful nice. um the top tier i guess with the sa project was wooden boxes mm -hmm. and I, I put it out there i was like yeah you know 300 bucks right and if you're able to, to contribute that i'll make you a wooden box by hand so i had no no plan for it first i ended up uh talking to my dad about it plan and made some little pine box kind of nice did some wood carving stuff but yeah i feel i feel like uh, i think it's i think tim renner is the one that says something along the lines of uh there's there's things that hum and things that don't hum i follow the things that hum i think everyone has different things like that mm. but following the things that that kind of resonate with you and and make you you know inspire you or feel like that call to do something that's sort of always how i've felt about that kind of stuff were you making the bandsaw boxes or just regular boxes um they're they're, they're not this but they're kind of like this okay so okay like, yeah yeah those are nice yeah yeah, they're they're pretty cool. Um, they're fun. Do you follow uh, Jimmy Duresta on YouTube? I do not. I've heard of him. I'll it's send you a link to him. Okay. Does he do the woodworking stuff? He does everything. Nice. Okay. Cool. A Renaissance man. Like so most speak. true creative people, they're just their hands are everywhere. He's unreal. Yeah. He's unreal. And, yeah, <clears throat> it's because we. And this is so Noxuente though. We can. We, I think we can all do this. And and we feed into, we can make ourselves become incredibly good at anything with focus. We know this, and it doesn't have to be one thing. So I'm not sure where that ever, that mastery of one thing, you can master many things in your life, truly. True. So back to young you, I get a sense, so you, horror stuff, what about, now I know you're in Minnesota, but what about your relationship with nature? That's an interesting question. Um, I I played outside a lot when I was younger. Uh, I'd like to spend time in the woods. It's it's something that I wish I did these days. Um, like go to like go you know take a walk in the woods, for instance. Uh, just kind of around like climbing. Um, I have always sort of had a weird relationship with animals, I guess. Like, my entire family are hunters. Um, living in Minnesota, kind of rural Minnesota, um, it's a pretty common thing. But I've never really felt 
right about that. So I've never, I've never gone with, um, which I think partially caused me to miss out on some of that. You know, I think, I think there's uh, a big connection there when you can uh, be in, in nature, be in the woods for hours on end, just kind of sitting still and watching everything around you. But I've only re ever really uh, imagined that I haven't, haven't had that experience. So I was afraid of, uh, you know, shooting animals. <laughs> Um, yeah, I get that. It is important to witness the process, though, and that's one thing I respect about uh, mindful hunting. And and certainly, everyone I knew that did it always, you know, they consumed what they they weren't just hunting; they weren't killing to kill. There was right. always a reverence. So that I think is an important dynamic. And it opens us up and it, it gets you in touch with the blood and the gore and the realness of it. And that magical moment or moments when whatever it is that is our light leaves, you can see it. And I've noticed it in uh, just from my papa's uh, tradition of because he would only eat what he killed and i and they did a certain way about how they did it and all this and but there was a moment like a, you see with like a rat and a snake there's just this moment of resignation or uh, i don't know what it i don't know what it is but this moment where death is so close it's right there and everything involved knows and it's almost like Kabuki theater or something strange and, and weird with a Y. Uh, if you're tuned into it, if you're tuned into it. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, as living creatures, we're always sort of striving to survive. You know, when you get into a situation where it's you or this other thing, you know, like, like you mentioned, like a rat and a snake, um, there is, there is a lot of fighting to survive, but eventually, depending on how go eventually you can't do that anymore you end up resigning yourself you know yeah you know in the tarot a lot of times one of those moments i think we first see is really apparent for me as an old school reader in the hangman one of the how you move forward and it's just like resignation or resigning i'm not you know i'm not sure words really fail me and i'm a word girl but yeah. So also back there, young Taylor, did you have any fears, you know, like under the bed, the woods, the dark? You know, yes. Um, I guess stereotypical like monster in my closet kind of thing. But even beyond that, I would always get this. When I, so I, I, I have a loft bed behind me here, but I didn't always. I had, you know, a normal three feet off the ground kind of bed. And laying there, I would always sort of have this, this, this feeling that something was, you know, while I'm looking over the side of my bed, something kind of pop up and either scare me or try to attack me. And so I did what any rational kid would do, hide under the covers, of course. That's the most protected area. You know? Yeah. That's where I learned how to breathe like a stone, seriously was not moving and controlling my breath to such a degree that I, my chest didn't, nothing moved. And it started with that kind of, with weird fears early on, hmm. even though there I am under 
some blankets. <laughs> you know, it seemed perfectly rational. I, I think it is. You know, I think being able to kind of hide yourself away like that is totally, totally, totally rational. Um, there was one thing that has been popping into my head a lot lately for the past couple of years. Uh, something that I think I may have seen when I was a kid, or maybe maybe I dreamed of this. I don't remember. Um, but it was it was something that both kind of scared me and I guess filled me with with like a sense of wonder, if that makes sense. Um, I had a basement, you know, growing up in my my house, my parents' house, and there was a like a basement living room area um, adjacent to a laundry room. They were connected by like a, a staircase hallway, and I, I just have this very vivid memory of sitting in on a chair in the living room area down there and looking at the base of the stairs uh, right in front of the, the laundry room seeing this little person like a like a three or maybe yeah three feet tall um <laughs> it was it's always sounds super silly to me to try to try to recreate this but it, it was like they were wearing like a hula skirt and like they were made out of pineapples like they were a very tropical kind of kind of vibe to this creature um they didn't look like a like a human necessarily their, their face was definitely like a group and they had um hair that was very much like the top of a pineapple um and, and i just have this very vivid image of this thing or whatever it was sitting there and, and like looking at me and smiling and be dancing but kind of the impression and uh i was always sort of frightened after that of the uh, laundry room but i was always kind of wondering what was that where did it come from you know and then nowadays i don't i don't know if that's something i just imagined or if that's something that i saw i have no idea how old would you say you were probably three mm-hmm. something like that or four did you has the basement and underground always held some sort of uh has it held a mystery like this for you yeah i, I would say that it's also always felt uh, like simultaneously very protective mm-hmm. and also very frightening like i remember also being uh very afraid of my grandparents basement Partially, I think, because my grandma tried to convince me that they had aliens in their crawl space down there for some reason. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I love your grandmother. What period of time was she convincing you about aliens down in the crawl space? Uh, I was probably five or six, something like that. Um, So there's, in in her basement, there was, um, like, you go down the stairs and immediately, like, wrap around, there's a little little tiny doorway, like like a three or four foot tall doorway. And I always ask, like, what's in there, you know? And uh, they open it up to show me, and it's it's just a little crawl space area that has, um, like, they would put uh, like hands and stuff in there. It's uh, like but, a root cellar. Yeah, exactly. But if you like keep going, you know, like underneath, you can then turn around another corner, and it like goes under the house. There's there's like a whole other area that I never saw, but uh, they they would always tell me not to go down there, and my guess is that so I didn't you know get stuck or something, but. Um, Kind of tongue in cheek, my grandma would always say, "Oh yeah, that's where the aliens live down there in the in the crawl space." And like looking back on it, that's kind of a weird thing. Like 
aliens is sort of a weird thing to have living in your crawl space you know not like monsters or goblins or something but aliens did you know did did she have any i i mean i don't know if she's past or here with us but she's still alive does she have any uh did she ever tell you any stories about any of this kind of stuff was there any more to it or was that it i think that was it i actually visited with them sometime last year um summer i believe uh, to ask, I, I was trying to figure out if she had because my my grandparents are both German and they're they're pretty, um, they're tr- very traditional, I guess. Um, and I, I was trying to ask her if she knew any like folk tales or any kind of like um, folk remedies, like healing remedies or anything like that. And neither her or my grandpa really knew anything from from those days or from any, you know any old traditions. Um, which is kind of you know a little bit disappointing, but it was nice to spend time anyway. I guess, but no, I don't think I don't think that really was going to lead anywhere beyond uh, to 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 scare me. I guess, but I do remember her mentioning it again fairly recently, like the the alien in the crawl space thing. Ooh, I think there should be follow up. You know, those Midwestern Germans are very very tight lipped. Does she make spatzel and all that? Mm, yes. My God, yep. I miss all that from the Midwest. Oh. Yep. oh. And uh, <laughs> I, one of my, I think it was her, her grandma, my grandma's grandma, um, Grandma Kaiser, who uh, would make these like very particular types of beans. I don't know what kind of season for them, but it was a very different kind of bean recipe that I've never seen before. But they, mm-hmm. know, was it white beans? Uh no, they were almost like. Pinto beans? Well, maybe I don't know. They were they were they were light in color, but they were a light brown, mm-hmm. um, and they had different different spices and seasonings in them. Yeah, but they're pretty good. Oh yeah, I I do miss all that that good old Germanic food back there. Yeah. So all right, um, and then now let's talk about early you and early you as a dreamer. What kind of experiences were you having in the dreamscape, and any and if all so uh all the way up to whatever you had even including obes and paralysis from this early period Mm -hmm. um the earliest dream that sticks out to me is uh a dream where i saw a spider that must have been three feet wide Uh, it was it was so big that i remember waking up and going like running into my parents room and exclaiming to them that that this this spider, I think I said it was uh, ginormous or something like that, some made up word. And uh, I just I remember that very vividly. Um, another thing that sticks out is I would get caught in dream loops a lot. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but where I would wake up, except I wasn't actually awake. I was waking up and do like like I was waking up into a dream of me waking up, and then something would would happen something you know the walls would start melting or like something horrible would start happening and then i would wake up again but again it wasn't real it was it was still a dream and this would happen three or four times before i would finally wake up actually wake up but um another really vivid one that sticks out is um stuff stuff around the house that wasn't behaving like it was supposed to behave like light switches having nightmares of light switches that, that weren't doing anything like flipping the light switch the light doesn't come on 
or things being moved around. Like like in the dream, uh, I walk into a room and there's it looks normal, and then I turn around and turn back and something moved or stuff like that and now that i'm saying this i'm getting i'm kind of recalling this image of a person on like a like a dolly cart um in my house sort of moving stuff around if that makes sense um i always kind of thought my house was haunted but i don't like looking back on it now i don't think it was i think it was just kind of maybe maybe my energies or uh, i had an older sister who's five years older than me so maybe you know some of her her emotions and energy is kind of bleeding over um in fact i had a dream once when i was really little about her room when she was probably a teenager uh her her room was like like uh like a black pit that i definitely should not go in and it was you know um a very scary kind of, kind of a- that's hilarious a teenage girl yeah. <laughs> Um, do not enter <laughs> exactly think of any other particular dreams that stuff out uh, oh uh as far as like you mentioned like obe or sleep paralysis kind of thing i used to get sleep paralysis very frequently where i would i would wake up paralyzed um and normally i would kind of i would be able to shake myself out of it with a couple minutes um one time the only time i ever remember seeing anything during a sleep paralysis experience I was laying on the couch in my basement, looking at that stairway where I saw this, you know, thing that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that, that stairway had like a wooden railing that, that, you know, ran along the wall going down the stairs. And I, I just remember laying on the couch and looking over at this in this sleep paralysis state and seeing a washcloth um, kind of like slinking, like, you know, slinking, you know, down the 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 railing if that makes any sense like kind of um walking down the railing sort of end over end and uh and then like hitting the ground um in front of the laundry room normally our our, our you know our parents would like throw towels or or laundry just down the base of the stairs it was right in front of the door and then go pick it up later and uh and i remember waking up and breaking out of this sleep paralysis like being able to shake myself free and i went over to look and there was no washcloth there that kind of stuck out but never saw any people i never saw any like shadow figures or anything that i hear about this i haven't had sleep paralysis since the middle thing really yeah not not recent not that i can remember the t- i've never heard the story of of a towel quite like that but there is that um i can't recall what it is it's one of these tulpas uh, you know, like Thin Man and all that, that does have that kind of walking over like a slinky energy. I can't think what it is, but it's not a towel. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. That is interesting. So like, like a flannel man or hat man kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Elpa, but I can't, it, it's something, it's like a bug. If I can see it, but I don't know what they call it. But it walks like that. It's creepy. Okay uh okay so within the dreamscape in general and so we can take the span of your life here uh how do you experience it so you know what i'm saying color black and white sound sensate can you read smell all that 
Um, I feel like it varies. Uh, color, always color. Um, at least nowadays, I don't, I don't know when this started, but for, for as long as I can remember, um, at least since college, maybe since high school, I have always dreamt with people around. Um, every time I'm dreaming, there's a group of people around and it's either friends or family or something. Um, usually I can feel things like as if they're physical things. Um, I remember a particular dream recently, I'll tell you about that later, uh, that I could taste chocolate. Um, I, 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 somebody offered me a chocolate with like, you know, I ate it, feel the crunchiness of the peanut, taste it. I remember remarking about it in the dream because I remember thinking, I'm dreaming right now, but I can taste this chocolate. That's very strange. Um, as far as reading, I've always had a hard time with it. I can see words, but I can't. Usually I can't make them out. And sometimes it's almost like they're in a different language, but sometimes I can read them. Sometimes they're, they're in English. Uh, I couldn't tell you if they stay consistent or if they change though. I, I'm not sure. Um, sounds are usually a really big part of my dream. Like voices, especially, um, especially like non, 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 non-people voices, non-person voices, if that makes sense. Disembodied voices, I guess you could say. Uh, voices of like machines or voices of creatures or voices of ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah. What, the, the taste of chocolate is amazing. And, you know, I ask this question of everyone. And so I can't think of anyone on not. And outside of Noxman Day, it has has come up to the the plate with taste, and that's impressive. It was it was a very and so you want me to just tell you about that dream? Or? Yes, please. So, um, okay, so there's two parts to this dream. I'm going to start with the second part because that is pertinent to the chocolate. I got off of a train and I was in some foreign country and I was walking around with my mom and I remember feeling very much like I'm dreaming right now and this happened this Christmas on, on Christmas day um and I remember feeling like I'm asleep in my bed on Christmas day and I'm dreaming but I feel like I'm awake I feel like whatever I'm experiencing right now is is a real waking experience and I was very confused and I, I remember looking around and I saw um like street signs almost like like wooden signs um that had words on them but but they were they were latin alphabet they were like normal uh roman characters but they weren't uh english words they weren't words that i recognized uh and i asked i asked my mom who was standing with me where are we and she like looks at me kind of funny and she's like we're in india you know like how do you not know this and and i'm like india like I feel like I'm dreaming right now. And, and she's, and basically she has this look on her face like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because that explains why you weren't talking about this and this and this anymore. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, she had like mentioned like, oh, it makes sense why you're not talking about Japan and the cakes. And I'm like, what? what are you talking about? And I, I explained that I felt like I was asleep uh, or I felt like I was dreaming, but that this was super real. And I said, isn't it 2019? And she said, no, that was a few years ago. I'm like, okay, uh, that's really weird. 
then we walked by a little stand it was like we were in a market like a it, it i don't think it was really india but it was like we were kind of a bizarre sort of market there was these younger girls like teenage girls um selling chocolate and they had one of them was like holding out um a sample like little, you know little piece of chocolate and i remember grabbing it and like popping it in my mouth starting to chew it and i walked around the area and as i was walking around i was eating it and thinking like this is actually pretty good uh, and i could taste it i could i could feel the crunchiness of the the nuts and taste the chocolate and i walked back around to the front and i said you know what i actually want to buy some of this and i busted out um cash from my back pocket and i had a 20 a 10 a 5 no no a 20 two fives and two dimes so i'm like and I remember thinking, this is exactly the same amount of change that I have in my actual pocket in real pants. Waking life, right now. And, and I remember waking up and counting. Oh yeah, it's all here, except the two dimes. I, I didn't actually have two dimes. But all this money spilled out onto the table and I like grabbed five bucks and gave it to her. Took the chocolate. And then um, I was continuing to walk with my mom. Uh, we were just talking about stuff. I was explaining how weird this was. She was going along with it. My mom's kind of you know, different. And so it's the type of thing that if that happened in real life, she would definitely go along with it. Um, and then I remember like just asking her questions and she was answering them. And suddenly I felt like I was leaving, like I was waking up and I told her, I'm, I'm going back now, um, but don't let me eat all this chocolate. Make sure you get some of this chocolate. And then I woke up. So that was the second part of the dream. The first part of the dream has a lot of symbolism and is one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about. So I remember, or you remember I said I was coming off into this area. Uh, before that, I was on a train. Uh, the dream started and I was on a train with my family, my mom, my sister, my stepdad, um, and there was some other people. It was uh, like a passenger train. Um, not, like a, not like a subway train, but like a school cross-country train, I guess. Um, and it was, it was stopped. It was a stationary situation and we were in a town and I remember asking my sister out of the blue, like, Hey, have you ever seen the funeral procession? And she said, well, no, except this one that is right here. And she pointed out the window and there was, uh, not a funeral procession, but like a bunch of people, uh, dressed in black with hats. It kind of reminded me of like either Hasidic Jews or Amish people. Um, but all of them had like totally clean shaven faces. Uh, they were all guys too, if I remember. Uh, and they came onto the train, started filling up both areas, you know, the, the back and the front of the train car. Um, and and this older guy who had like really long gray hair um, came really close to where we were sitting and sat down on the ground and set up a little board game. It looked like a, like chess, like a, a four player game of chess. So it had uh, pieces on all four sides. Um, and the pieces were like multicolored. They weren't all like black and white or anything. They were reds and blues and green and stuff. And uh, I was, you know, just kind of watching this happen. And this guy points at me and, and says my name, Taylor. I'm like, me? Uh, you know, what's up? And he says, come down here. And I, I were in motions for me to come down there. And I go and sit down next to him. I'm kind of on his right. So not across from him, but on his right. And he says, uh, no, 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 stand up. And so I stand up and like, you know, uncross my leg. And in doing so, I knock over one of the pieces on the board. 
and it knocks over all of them like in this big domino way, uh, but only on my side. So there was like four sides of pieces and it knocks over all the ones on my side like smooth way. And I'm like, oh God, I've clearly fucked up. I'm so sorry. And he says, oh no, that's, you know, thank you. You're done and you can leave. So I said, sorry again. I left, went back and sit down. And I watched as this other guy was called over and sat down across from him and like started trying to push all of his pieces down with his hands and was not able to get them to go. He was like, they weren't dominoing properly, I guess. He just had to keep going. Um, so I remember that happening. And then all of the Amish or Jewish people that were, that were on the train dressed in black started singing all of a sudden and they were all singing in, in English. And I felt like I knew the song. I felt like I wanted to sing along, but I, I didn't know what words came next. And in front of me, was a little a little boy, like a seven year old boy, but his face was gray and uh, and like like porcelain, like a, like a doll's face. And he like turned and looked at me and basically gave me like kind of silence, conveyed to me that I shouldn't sing along. And so I, I'm like, all right, okay. And I, I sat there as they were singing, and then um, that whole scene kind of played out. And I thought, well, I'm gonna leave. This is kind of weird. And I started walking towards the exit of the train. And I remember passing by this guy with uh, a blue shirt and blue jeans and like short brown hair who was like loudly exclaiming to people, I'm a celestial and I, I, can, I can help you too. I can bless you. Like trying to get people's attention and nobody was really paying attention to him. And I just awkwardly kind of sidestepped around this guy and walked out of the train and then ended up in India or wherever. Those, that was that dream, wherein I tasted chocolate, played chess. This is remarkable. The this is this is just remarkable. Where I actually wanted to go back with it is in the in the beginning, where you really thought you had been dreaming, but your momo said you were not. That the whole part. Uh, it's like that leads into actual the sensate of tasting chocolate and then buying it. And of course, you know, the, the money lines up with things that are synchronistically real in this state where you had that exact amount in your wallet and enough where the lines blurred completely. Yep. This is uh this is very this is very special Taylor. I just have to say that. And it's uh so when you come up out of this you know I don't interpret on here. I strictly stay away from that. Uh but when you come up out of this and when you're in the the waking period, what were you thinking? What was the mood? What what is the vibe coming out of that experience? Um First thing was I wrote it all down. Uh, I tried to get as much detail as I could. Um, I recently uh, made a change in my life that for my dreams a lot better. Um, Me too. Yeah. Stop smoking weed. Yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Two yep, months. Woo. Nice. I uh, I stopped on December twentieth, which is a little over a month ago. And so this would this would have been five days after that. Um, 
Christmas. It does make a difference. Yeah, it's astounding. It's absolutely astounding. Um, and it gets to the point where the payoff of the dreams is way more. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. It's it's been remarkable, and uh, I'm very glad that it's that very glad that I've made that change. Uh, is it just as a magician you know there's and is one that's really you know i find for magicians are very serious into the internal work which you can't circumambulate the dream experience from you can't pull that out and uh if that's that ultimately once you get past all the other stuff that's where you want to go and so letting go of these other things that might be fun and they they're fun if you visit them intermittently right Right. then then there's a sacredness to using the sacred bud the sacred herb yep you know you can enjoy it and you can just return back to recall total recall of what's going on outside of your flesh yeah well that I, i was i was smoking very regularly very heavily honestly um it was very expensive, and that's that's another reason that I decided to quit. Uh, and the dreams, honestly, was was a really big part of it. I I never realized it until uh, I was working at iForums, was talking with some customer about dreams, and I, I mentioned to them that I had a hard time remembering my. Dreams. Oh, oh, it's like, yeah, you know, what does that have to do with it? And they they explained like, it just destroys your ability to remember dreams <laughs> and i was astounded but uh yeah it's uh been, been pretty cool to go back into that uh, so i guess to answer your question or you know um once i woke up i very much felt like that dream was not a dream so i i felt like the second part of it where i was off the train or wherever was a glimpse of the it felt very real. It felt very clear and it felt very um, it felt like I was there in my waking conscious body. Um, the first part of the dream did not felt more like um, so I don't know. It was, it was kind of strange. Yeah, the India stuff, well, the fact that you were able to, and this is why control in your dreams is so important and you can see now where it can go. Uh, when you ask what year so time is a funny thing. It is important and it isn't. It, it, it categorizes. So it's important. It's like a file system. And so it's important that here's the 2019, this timeline stamp. And, you know, here's this file. And uh, so when you're doing things like living this other life in a dream in India, when you're with your mama in India, this now you know you're in the future and you can start logging my little girls there's some reason carrying on uh you can start logging i'm excited to see where this is going to go by the way so make sure you do keep me in keep me in the loop i'm very excited about this for sure so at this point have you had you experienced any this to me is total total lucidity have you experienced that level of lucidity before yes a number of times um 
the biggest one that sticks out, I I was driving a car um, in the air, flying in my car as you do, and I was like, wait a second. How modern. I'm, I'm flying in my car. This can't be real. And I remember unbuckling my seatbelt and getting out of my car, and suddenly I was floating in the air. And I was thinking, ah, I must be dreaming. So I like floated on down to the the street and I was I was like in a city. I was the only person in the there was nobody else around. It was um must have been winter because there was snow on the ground. And I remember bending down, picking up snow, packing a snowball, I could feel the coldness of the snow on my fingers. I could see my fingers very vividly. And then I threw the snowball at like the storefront window and uh the snowball shattered, you know, like the burst like a snowball does and uh, snow went everywhere and i just remember seeing that and thinking wow that's super realistic for a dream and then it kind of returned more into so that kind of lucidity is always sort of come in small snippets in the past what so i'm gonna commit i'm steering away for a minute here what are your goals now and, you know, clearly you practice, you're practicing. Okay, first of all, I didn't get the background on your religion. Oh, boy. Give me a little bit of that. And then I want to get back to what your goals are now that you're starting to really tap into this experience of dreaming in a new way. I was born and raised in a Catholic household. Um, that was super, super loose and lax. Uh, and I didn't realize that until, um, until I was a teenager, uh, when basically I found out that the only reason I was raised Catholic was because my, so my, my sister has a different father than I share a mother, but half sibling, right? And her biological father wanted her to be raised Catholic. He's pretty serious about it. And uh, it's so, so weird. I don't think of Catholics in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of Lutherans, mostly Lutherans and Protestants. So but many Lutherans. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all my neighbors pretty much were, were Lutherans. <laughs> I found out yeah, later no. on Lutheran Church, much more fun than Catholic Church. Catholic <laughs> Church was uh, not enjoyable. Aren't they all Norwegian up there? Well, they're Scandinavian yeah. and, and German and Dutch. Ludafisk eating bastards. <laughs> oh man, there's, there's also a lot of non-white people, but you know. <laughs> there's two. What is it that Michael Caine quote? There's two things I can't stand: intolerance, and the Dutch. <laughs> you know, well, the non-white people of recent Minnesota, especially, has made a point of lots of um, bringing in lots of diversity. It was extremely Crackerland my whole life. Yep. So they, you know, they went went and you know changed yeah. that up. But anyway, anywhere. so back to the religion thing. Yeah. So I, when I was 12, um, kind of, when I was 12, I realized that I was um, not straight, some form of queer. I, I guess I refer to myself as bisexual or pansexual. Um, and, and, and I realized that that didn't really jive well with, with my Christian upbringing. Um, so I started kind of questioning a lot of stuff. And I decided to go kind of a hard uh, the other way. I became a very kind of hardcore atheist, very, very anti-religion. 
um, I explored some stuff like Levain Satanism and some other kind of non-religious religions, um, you know, like Pastafarianism, stuff like that, um, while I was in high school. And then when I was in college, um, a very good friend of mine passed away, kind of a, a circumstance, uh, complication health. And that really shook my world pretty hard. And I, I started to question things again, question uh, reality, question voice, sort of uh, dig a little deeper into the spiritual realm of things. I, I had a dream with, I, I only remembered from the dream uh, walking with him and walking with a, bu- a bunch of, this was probably around the time I started having uh, groups of people around my dream and I remember he was a group of people and we were walking down a street in my neighborhood um, when I was growing up and I remember talking to him and giving him a hug um, that's kind of all I remembered from the dream I later found a journal entry that talked about that dream and I reread it heard a lot more from it, but I, that's all uh, but anyway I went from there and explored belief and came to the soft conclusion that I did not believe anything because I felt like belief was I felt like even believing that there is no God for instance was limiting um so where I where I really arrived at was this sort of kind of agnostic not really sure what the hell is going on but there's something going on attitude um and then I uh, I dove headfirst into ceremonial magic on a whim. Um, I was I was I was doing a lot of research about it. I was doing a lot of reading, listening to podcasts. I was listening to Charm the Water at the time, and uh, Aaron from Charm the Water mentioned going to be doing this like moon ritual, and I thought, well, that's that's something I could give it a shot or something. Uh, but I was always worried that doing doing ceremonial magic uh, would cause, that's actually, that's where I meant you guys think, right? Was that whole situation? So um, I was worried that doing that would cause a big disruption in my life. Uh, and specifically, I was worried I would lose my job because I didn't really have a whole lot of us. I just had a good job. Uh, and uh, before I even decided to do it, I lost my fucking job. So I figured, well, that's, that's good enough reason to do it. So I sat down and uh, got, I went to Eye of Horus for one of the first times. I found all my stuff, um, a wand, all the stuff that you need, right? Um, put together a really half-assed ceremony and uh, did it. And months later, I got a job at Eye of Horus and my entire life changed completely. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Did you mention, isn't that where... Jerry was going to do that one, I thought. Yeah. With so, Aaron. Right? Which one was that? The Mars one? The, the moon. Uh, uh, the fall of 2017. Yeah, I didn't do it, but I did something else. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a group thing where everyone was sort of independently doing stuff around the same time. Um, the Rufus Opus stuff, right? I made a, yes. I made a video. I have since met Rufus, by the way. He's yeah. a very interesting person. He also lives in Minneapolis. 
Um, I love that story about how he wanted uh, the ten grand. Did the yeah, <laughs> and his house burned down. His house burned down. <laughs> he got ten thousand dollar insurance. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty great. <laughs> you got to be careful when you're working with, uh, especially when you're working with demons. Well, he's just Everything it's just planetary demons. spheres, but that's the one. His uh, that particular book is one of the very first ones I point people towards in initiating into the planetary spheres. I think it's paramount. I think it's a, a, the best way to start. It introduces you to the whole process, and the planets are so important. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think those worked out so well for Aaron, though. I think they did in ways he wasn't expecting them. And I, I, I also think that a big part of when you're doing magic like that is what you expect come from them that's true and i i think he may have had you know and i I don't i don't necessarily want to put words in his mouth but i think he may have had expectations about magic in general that it is always this big disruptive thing yeah um and i i feel personally that that when you feel that way you may invite that energy um i just have this picture in my head of him in that hat doing the mars one remember that i gotta go find that picture now I think so. His hat with the like feather in it. And stuff. With the, fe- yes. the black feather, yeah. <laughs> it's a great image. It is. It totally is. I will find it. That's a cool. That's a nice hat. <laughs> I used to wear it before I shaved my head because I hated my hair. I had to hide it. No, I, I, I love a hat. I, I, I'm from a generation with Generation X, but we just love hats and my mother was like oh there was so much superstition in my life around when you leave the house and going into the world it was like hat and sunglasses always and now that's really coming even though we can be recognized by our our heart signature and all that stuff now there's something to the walking walking in a shadow kind of through the world and all the old school witches I've known, uh, including Janet Farah, uh, always taught and Stuart Farah, whom I love and miss it. And uh we're always talking about that. Blend in mysteriously. Yep. And what's a good way to do that? You know, a hat and sunglasses and some style. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So how has, so with you, this was something I had pinned, pinned ahead. How has working with magic and in these routines interacted with the dreamscape for you? I met Hecate in, oh man. Ooh, Our Lady Hecate, Hecate. Yep. He's uh, the best. Um, so, so I mentioned I, I did that moon ritual. Um, a few months later, I then did another one. Uh, so I'd done two moon I had not done any other planetary initiations. And immediately after that, I thought, hey, I should do the headless right. And I should use the headless right to try to gain contact with some kind of god or goddess. And I thought, well, I really, I really like the idea of Hecate. And I, I feel like she's been kind of calling to me with, with a bunch of synchronicities that were going on at IFRS. That that time, the late 2017, early 2018, was full of, of 
synchronistic connections and coincidences and like little things overlapping that I didn't even understand until months after the fact when I was sort of unraveling. And I did this headless writing kind of um, devoted my practice way to, to Hecate. And she has showed up in my dream. Uh, the first, the first time was while I was meditating. It wasn't exactly a dream, but it was like I had my eyes closed. I sort of, you know, you know, when, when a dream comes on, but you have your eyes closed and you're just singing blackness. And then that blackness starts to take form to different shapes. And this, the shape, it was almost like, like a, a ripple of water, but the shape that was coming out was uh, a woman's face and uh, like a beautiful woman with black hair. She like turned, smiled at me. Saw this, that was the first time that I saw an image really associated with Hecate. Um, the second time was a little more disturbing. Uh, and this is another one of my big dreams, I guess you could say. So throughout the dream, I was in a library, a very old, very big library that was like, like a, like an ancient, not ancient, like a really old wooden man, kind of a really big wooden. And uh, I remember exploring this library and then leaving out the back door, saying goodbye to the. All right, I'm you know, heading to the parking lot. Walked out the back door to the parking lot, and stopped because I was immediately taken by this this scene in the sky. Um, there was, uh, I could see the sun, a big, big, bright orb of the sun. Um, you know, by it was sort of a cloudy sky. It was almost like sunset, so the sky was sort of mauve, like oranges, purples, reds, uh, pinks. And uh, on the other side, so that was up on the left, and on my right uh, was a big, bright, full moon. And I remember looking at this and being amazed. And then all of a sudden, from behind the clouds, there was a second sun that was exactly the same as the first. And let me remember how this happened. The second sun moved and took the place of the first sun. And the first sun moved down and swooped around to where the moon was and took the place of the moon and became it sort of shimmered with this kind of silver light and like solidified into the moon um and like a full moon there and i was of course with a group of people that i was in and we were like wow this is really cool like what's going on there and then i remember looking at the ground and there was a dead body on the ground in front of the threshold of this library uh she was she was uh, an older woman um she was very like desiccated looking corpse um sitting still with big bright glowing orange eyes and a mouth that was stretched open like seven or eight inches like like a big like almost like the the mask for um the ghost face killer in scream movies and uh she was laying on her back facing up and in her mouth in her open outstretched mouth was like a pool of silvery liquid that my brain immediately thought oh that's that material is the stuff of souls um and i saw this i saw this image of this dead body and uh and thought wow that's really cool that's super super neat and i woke up and i went that was hecate and then i thought that was really disturbing man that was cool so that's that's kind of the the second time that that happened and then recently, 
uh, the 14th of this month, um, there was a full moon. And the night of the full moon, I have this water cup. Um, and my, my mom painted got symbols of my tarot deck on it. And Ooh, I, I want one of those. One of the kind. It's it's a uh, red, black, yellow, and I think white. Oh my god! Tell your mom, oh, I want one. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. And uh, I I had uh, a little bit of water left in it, and I offered it to to Hecate, sort of a happy full moon. You know, here's here's an offering of water. Uh, and then I went to bed, and all night I dreamed of going to New Year's Eve. I was about to go to New Year's Eve. Oh, we're, you know, we're about to leave for the party, you know, like the entire night. It was different moving from place to place. And the entire time we're about to go to this party. And, uh, and then I woke up at 6.30. Oh, there was also some, I think it was unrelated. There was also some alien stuff. That, I guess. Um, I then woke Taylor, up. Taylor, you know it interests me. <laughs> All right, well. So the, the number one thing was that really stuck out with that was that during this, this dream where we were about to go to New Year's Eve parties, um, I was in a room with two other people and on, it was like a big sterile medical look on this table in front of us, like a bed on like a doctor's office. There was this gray alien, like exactly like you'd expect a gray alien with big black almond eyes and uh, it was just sitting there with a very tiny mouth just kind of looking at me and one of the guys that was in this room is looking at it very skeptical and he's thinking ah, i don't know this probably isn't it's probably a hoax and he's like poking it and it's reacting and it's very clearly alive and uh and and all of a sudden it um it i don't know exactly how this happened but it um it gave birth to itself it replicated like produced uh, a copy of it. and um that freaked out the other person that i was in and they flipped the switch or did something that killed uh, and destroyed the original and all of a sudden we were left with this copy that then very quickly copied itself again and so that that's a whole thing that that happened um wait a minute when it was copying itself how how did that process go it's like its mouth uh, became a vagina, and it gave birth to itself. It gave birth to another version of itself. Interesting. Very. Mm -hmm. It was uh, peculiar. And the second version of itself grew a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Jerry. And, uh, and the third version was even bigger, and it was growing faster. They were growing like exponentially faster. Brings um, new meaning to the term pussy lips. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a, a very interesting experience, um, and I uh, I woke up from this experience after not ever going to the New Year's Eve party. Woke up at six thirty, uh, turned off my alarm, sat around in bed for a while. Uh, you know, I don't really. It was a Saturday, so up for another couple hours. So I went back to bed, and suddenly I was having a dream where the New Year's Eve party was over and everybody was leaving the party. I don't remember a party ever happened. But, um, everybody was like saying goodbye and leaving. All right, well, I'll see you later. And we were saying goodbye on a street corner for some reason. Not like, not like in a house, you know, but just on the street. 
and uh, and they're all leaving, and I'm alone, and all of a sudden this woman walks up. So that's that's an interesting thing actually that I just thought of. This group of people that's always around me in my dreams was leaving, saying goodbye, and left. And as they left, this woman walked up, to me and she was uh, maybe in mid late thirties, very pale skin, long black hair pulled back, um, and she just walked right up to me, and she like grabbed me. She like wrapped herself around me like like threw herself onto me um in a very intimate way and put her hands on my ears like over my ears and you know covered my ears and when she did that all of a sudden i could hear words like like she was speaking um i could hear what she was saying and i, I started to try to like take her hands away and this i felt similarly lucid to how i felt when i was dreaming about eating chocolate i felt like i can feel this like this is a real experience and and i i tried to take her hands away and then i thought wait no, I, with her hands here covered in my ears all of a sudden i can hear what she's saying and i listened and i remember she said a bunch of stuff in english that, that i could understand and it was it was the type of stuff where it was like it was like she was telling me to do something and I was uh, into it, right? Like I was, I was like, yeah, absolutely, whatever, whatever you say, right? And uh, I don't remember what she said. Um, all of a sudden, her her voice kind of got really, really dark, and there were multiple voices, like, and it, it stopped, and then um, disappeared and woke up. But when I woke up, I remembered one thing that that she said. I remembered one one phrase. At first, I, I remembered the word apotheosis. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Oh and, then, and then I remembered, no, it wasn't just apotheosis. It was afraid. It was, you are my apotheosis. So I don't know what that means, but, but that happened. And, and when I woke up, I very much had the feeling that was, that was heck again. That was, that was her. And I tried to go back to sleep and tried to find her again. And I, was, I fell asleep immediately, but I couldn't find her. It was like I was in this... I was in these streets that I was in before, but she wasn't there. But I felt like she was nearby. Like there was a, a guy working on a car and he like turned and looked kind of like she's around. And then I saw these two crows and they were looking at me. I just I very much felt like her presence was there. Um so yeah, and that's that's the 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 most of it. When the crows, of course, that's that's the final stamp on that too with the dark goddess. And what's with all the Hecate stuff lately? From, from like all of our list, our guests talk about. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's like the number one <laughs> goddess they interact with. It's crazy. I mean, she's the goddess of dreams, isn't she? That would make sense. I I just remember I can't forget uh, Walter Bosley talking about how she helped him write some books or find some information. I forget exactly what it was. Yeah, she was important to him. Well, in the material that he's been working on involving the uh, stuff in California, that uh, a lot of that has kind of seemed to center around yeah. around her, around her wheel, and around cults devoted, right? Yep, yep. I think that was what led him to, to figure out it was her that was helping. I remember reading or listening to an interview with him, and he, and he was talking about how he was having uh, some kind of a personal connection with her and i don't think he was talking too much about it but um that really 
stuck with really i I really resonated with that me too yeah yeah i only get i only get bird head gods in my dreams hawk-headed gods ibis okay that's so like uh what is ibis is uh yeah okay that's what i was thinking all right cool he's cool also the star card arrow it is yeah can't go wrong with ibis nope Mm -mm, absolutely not the you are my apotheosis is i cannot of course when the dark goddess comes this is a time of initiation it's initiatory always and uh where change is going to happen she's the one that cuts the cord and uh and brings in the new and and there's no pretense with her so that statement is just extremely significant it reminds me of when Jung was encountering the uh, unconscious and that whole process. And I, you know, I'm trying trying not to interpret this, but this feels like you're on the precipice of something pretty big here, Taylor. Do you feel that internally? Very much. That that dream and that phrase um, shook me and stuck with me all day long. I was uh, last Sunday. It was actually it was the eleventh, not the fourteenth. It was the eleventh. Um, and that night, no, not that night. Yeah, that night after after that, I was I went over to a couple friends of mine's house, um, who were a couple other magicians, and we just talked about stuff. They they have also kind of been having some interesting Hecate stuff going on recently, um, and they sort of helped to interpret stuff, I guess. But the biggest thing that I, I, I got from it or that I pulled from it is that I should, I should start working on finding a tradition or, for, or, or even kind of making my own tradition um, so that I have a more regular practice. Um, I, I really think, you know, maybe she was going to come to me regardless, but I, I, I really strongly feel like offering her water the night before had something Oh, absolutely. When you feed them, they, you know, they respond. And because there's more to that than just there, that's an action following up an intent. And it's a big deal. It's, you know, this, it's a big deal across the board in every uh, spiritual practice. And in the end, and this is why I always bring in Jung anyway, uh, it's, it's at the core. It's at it's at the core, and we know this internally. Like like you know that there's something more going on. When you get to that point, when you realize there really is something more going on, then this illumination starts to happen. And when we start feeding certain aspects, those aspects start to come online. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean. I th- go where you're guided. Go where you've been taken. That's always what I say when when it comes to these kinds of magical synchronicities. They they're showing you the way. It's the yellow brick road, <laughs> right? Which yeah. to me is the golden road, the inner road. So I just absolutely okay. rem- remarkable with with this. Have you had any experiences? with let's just knock out some of this stuff 
with near death, any of that? Not personal. No. Um, and okay, so what about what about dealing with the dead? My grandpa passed away when I was almost two, and I don't remember this, but my mom has told me this story throughout my life that apparently the day the day before he passed away i was at daycare and i was crying my eyes out and my daycare lady was not sure what was going on um she didn't say anything until the next day but um supposedly i was i was i was exclaiming that my grandpa needs to get off the tractor because the tractor is going to explode. And I was freaking out, right? Um, the next day, he, he was mowing the lawn and there was an accident with the tractor. Caught on fire, exploded. Uh, was very badly burned. He ended up living for a, a little bit after that, but took him off life, life support. It's, um, not pretty. It was uh, pretty brutal. Um, since then, you know, another, another time when I was really young, but I don't remember, but it's a story that I've been told, um, when I was like two or three. So after, after this experience, I was walking on the sidewalk, um, and my daycare provider had, had, you know, I had gotten away and, um, like walking down the sidewalk and, uh, a truck started um, or an SUV started backing out of the driveway um, and I was really close to it but I had stopped and they like backed out and like turned and then noticed like right there right in front of you know where where they're backing out and uh, freaked out you know kids are in situations like that. Um, and and I supposedly I said uh, they asked me like, "Well, why did you stop?" And I, I said, "Well, Papa told me Papa would help." Um, those were the only two experiences I know of that involved my grandpa um, involving his death or after his death. My mom has continued to have a lot of experiences with him uh, that have been very meaningful. Um, I I have had some very subtle ones. But nothing, nothing very big or intense like that. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, when I was uh, like a sophomore in college, good buddy Dan uh, passed away bipolar disorder. Medication on situations very unpredictable. Um, and he uh, he has also kind of been big here in my life since then um i did some of my first uh i don't know if i would call it astral projection necessarily but sort of like uh retreating into a mind palace and doing meditation that way um by contacting him or contacting his spirit um the day he died he came to my mom my mom heard um and she she you know, she woke up in the middle of the night. This boy, um, and and she was very. She just kind of started writing down all the stuff coming to her from him, right? And I don't know how that happened. 
or I don't know if it's uh, like a physical manifestation or if it's something red or how other but um she wrote down this letter basically it was like it was like a letter from to me that was very very personal very reassuring and had some very specific things that she didn't know she had never met him um he was a friend of mine from high school and i he was the guy who got me to involved including weed but also including psychedelics and stuff like that um it was not he was not part of a crowd that ever mixed with hanging she didn't but she had written down some very specific about about his personality about things he liked things he liked say um that that letter really stuck i kept that letter for a long time i got rid of it a few years back but um yeah that those those two experiences that and uh um my my uncle's i guess you could call her my aunt my uncle's longtime girlfriend um they never got married so probably still don't remember um he was he was is very she, her name was nell um she loved cardin she was very good at, at cooking loved baking stuff and she always made um for christmas events and stuff she always made cinnamon yellow bread which is like this cake delicious delicious cake. Mm. and uh i love that that cake and i love those experiences with her i never really had a close relationship but i i had that very fond a few years back 2015 2016 she uh, passed away from breast and I remember at her uh, her wake, um, the day of her funeral, and all the family, sister, her daughter, had uh, created a bunch of cookies uh, for everyone. For everyone, of cooking was a part of her life, and I just remember flipping through this cookbook and seeing yellow. And I just like just started crying. I just could not help myself. Um, those three experiences are are those three people are that in my life have have passed away. Act me both. When you were in your high atheist period were you did you experience because when you were young you experienced a lot of this precog stuff and then later and clearly now uh were you having any of that in the atheistic period i want to say not at all but let me think about it no not at all yeah, it's one of those things when we close off, when we close a door, sometimes the, you know, the room is off service, out of service. There's almost like no neural pathway. And so I always find that interesting with, I, I definitely went through an atheistic period myself. It didn't, it didn't last long. <laughs> There's too much weird around me, That's but fair. it was, the weird wouldn't let it last long. Uh, 
I think it was more me trying to shut everything out. There's so much. Now that now that you are open to the world around you, and what I mean is the the unseen world as well, uh, and that you've gotten more control of certain things, like giving up the sacred herb that was a habitual thing that kept you from dreaming, recalling your dreams because you were dreaming before. And now you're starting to really come online with a lot of precognitive stuff. I mean, you're stepping out of the timeline, Taylor. Really, you're, you're really right? bringing a lot here. Uh, so I, I asked this earlier, but we didn't, we haven't worked our way around to it. What goals do you have for yourself outside of the physical plane? using these tools that are coming online now and specifically uh through altered states of consciousness which you now know you don't need any substance for although you know psychedelic substances will open your third eye and break it through at least with psychedelic experiences including ayahuasca and all this you you are you understand that there is another set of rules right. that you're not aware of until you have those experiences. Oh. <laughs> so what what are you planning on doing? What what goals do you have that you can divulge, you know, cuz magic is also kind of a solitary uh, private experience. It should be. The yeah. facsimile that we're experiencing in the world is not everyone's showing everything and but where are you going to take this? Where are you going, Taylor? I've never really thought about it. Um, the biggest thing that is driving me is something that I guess I've already kind of achieved, which is that I, I've, I've wanted communion for a long time. You know, I... Um, I'm really interested in the idea of a higher self or even, um, you know, talking about like uh, spirits or deities or, or whatever the hell aliens are, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that aliens are, are extraterrestrial beings. They're demons. Sure. <laughs> Everything right. is demons. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, that's, that's an interesting, <laughs> that's an interesting way to look at it. But can we define what a demon is? Energetic force. Okay. There you go. Okay. And, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Correct. But... Reptilian, gray. Yep. <laughs> uh, I actually recently started working with uh, uh, the goetic spirit of Asago, which I have heard described as very alien. I thought was interesting. One of the things that kind of turned. Um, no, I just I've always just kind of wanted wanted to to meet someone, say hi. So, are you a, a Streber fan? Yeah. Have you you listened to him lately? Like he's kind no. of shifted around from the alien thing to more have, of a. I've read Communion. I've read the Key. It's my favorite. So if 
if if I'm getting this right, his interpretation of what the quote unquote other is now is uh entities from the afterlife. Okay. So it's the dead. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard that. Um that makes a lot of sense. That really kind of that resonates with me. Um I think I remember reading somewhere, yeah, something that this this seems to have something to do with the souls of the dead whatever that means um i'm not really sure how i feel about the idea of souls necessarily you know i mean sure but uh yeah i mean it's 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 an interesting thing and i'd love i'd love to i crave that i crave that experience and i've i've been wanting that for so long and that's part honestly part of the reason that i um you know that i quit smoking as well was to try to open myself more to the possibility of finding that. Have you ever, you haven't done any like ayahuasca trip or DMT or anything like that, have you? No, uh, hypothetically, I've tried uh, LSD. Uh, not, not the same. Right. Yeah. You no, know, I, we are the dead. You know, if you just shift it at this point, and this will change of course, as we all rise around these new ideas and new ideas become new realities. Uh, if you just move 100 years into the future, your Taylor Bell's dead. You're here now. So we're dead. We're all dead, essentially, when we start stripping away constructs such as time. I wonder, okay, so I have gotten this feedback in the past and I, I i've had to apologize so there are some listeners that just are not magicians there are a lot actually you know they're tuning in for different reasons and and we're not specifically a show on magicians at all we're we're looking at consciousness so could you fill people in on the headless right oh sure um yeah i mean so basically it's 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 a right that comes from the Greek magical papyri, which is this very old uh, piece of paper. Um, it's been interpreted in a lot of different ways. One of the really common ones is Libersemic, which is, I think, Aleister Crowley's um, version of it that's used in the OTO. Uh, yeah. The version that I performed was a version that was given to me by a former OTO member. Um, that's basically uh, a lot of Libersemic, essentially. Um, I've seen it written in a lot of different ways, but the gist of it is that you're evoking um, the four corners, the four elements, north, south, and west, and in doing so, you are um, calling upon a lot of different, of, um, ostensibly of God, but you know, also possibly other spirits, angels, demons, whatever you want to call them. Um, and you, you are, in doing the headless rite, you are um you're basically um evoking that power into yourself and 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 sort of saying i am this person of authority i i am i am you know for all intents and purposes a god on earth right that's that's kind of um you're you're assuming the position of the headless god um the sort of invisible uh faceless spirit that we all are uh, you know, and, and reaching communion with that, with that kind of that universal energy of spirit. 
in a and it's really creepy and i, I like it. oh yeah yeah i like the old i love the old stuff when, especially when we start talking necromantium which i should explain too it's also old greek working what's well, i mean i think it's older than that but you know the civilian stuff where you're in complete blackness with a very dim light and a reflecting pool of some sort so a, a stone or a mirror or a glass polished metal a mirror it doesn't matter uh and it's really it's the ether it's the ether around you and one of the ways that everyone experiences the necromantium is when they close their eyes every night and you're it's right behind your eyes you we're in it now we're in it now and everything projected outward is part of this play the blackness inside your head is truly the ether and so we can wrap a lot of science around it we can we can we can go a lot of places with it but just when the rubber hits the road and you close your eyes it's a different game so with that said i'm wondering what is your idea of a sense of communion because this is also a provocative word for a lot of people and again i have seen it in every order i've been involved in and i see it in in the typical orders too communion in in the church well they're all churches all the orders i consider churches doesn't matter what their slant is how dark or light it is yep. uh, so when you think of communion what what does that pull up for you um i guess i think of the experiences that i've had with Hecate in my dreams um i think of other people who have had like uh, especially UFO experience popping in my head, and, and Tara Streber could be a part of that. Um, I think of first communion, talking about um, talking about Christianity. Um, that's something that I did when I was when I was younger. I, I never got confirmed, but I did go through first, and I didn't know what it meant. I didn't have that kind of connection to that word back that I do now. Um, I guess when I think of it, I think of meeting. Um, call it right um reading that and being embracing it as it embraces you if that makes sense i don't know that's uh yeah it makes total sense to me and it's a process this was one of those things like when i said when i was little and weird stuff was happening around always weird stuff sorry it's happening but i think it's because i'm open to it I, i've never come from a place of it's i'm special right and i think that that's a problem it, this is a problem we're all special in that way but we you know this whole neo you are the one kind of thing is a, a little alarming and right. the christ thing and all that it's a little alarming it's it's wonderful as a carrot that will take you down a, a pathway and get you somewhere but to stand in the uh in the glory of it and to eat the glory of it and to be that 
is a little bit in the folly. So when I was talking about like the breathing, how I naturally learned how to do some deep yogic breathing, which I didn't know at the times what it was when I was trying to breathe, be as still as possible. Dead stillness is what some people call that breathing. And, uh, and we get under the blanket and try not to move. And it was just deep, 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 deep breaths holding as long as I could and extremely controlled exhale. So there's no movement. This was natural. This was a natural experience. And it's one of those things where we get caught up in the language of what, what, you, you know, the language is a spell. It's this outer world experience. When there we are, we're doing stuff every day. I see people that I encounter every day doing very magical things and they're not even aware of it. Things that can take them into a deeper experience. And, and you know, a lot of these people are in that NPC state, right? They're in there, but they're just not online. You know, so somebody has the avatar. Somebody's running the avatar. Maybe they're dreaming, but it, you know, when it's not autonomic and there's not any depth, uh, you know, that's kind of the NPC for me. But when the player's in there, then they're in there. So I'm wondering what your idea is around these states of the consciousness. So what when you think about the other realms and this is kind of that part where we throw in death when you think about death for example it's the easiest go-to because everyone has a concept of here not here right it's the easiest go-to in these conversations uh what what is it what's that state of being from your perspective and as you see it now yeah um i i see it as something that's outside of um i see it as that we are all like honestly i i i i have felt increasingly like we are all basically the same thing um you know there's there's a great bill hicks book we're all like the universe experience self subject like we we are the source. We are the, the divine spark uh, of, of spirit uh, in in different body points of communication. Um, and I feel like when we die, we kind of do that in a way. But it's not like it's not like what we are goes back to it. It's like we realize that we've been that all along, and uh, that's what's left. That's what. We're Trip away, personal black body. Um, I feel like when we when we talk about like different states of consciousness, I have met a lot of people who who I um, I feel are like like players, like you, like like people people who are like in it. And are like trying to uh, make the most of it, or trying to kind of like they're aware of what's going. On. Um, and I guess I, I like to think that I'm doing that, 
Um, and I, I have a lot of friends who maybe aren't quite that aware of things um, and are, are, you know, that like, like, like I have a lot of friends who are very ambitious, not ambitious. They're, they're, they have, they have big dreams, right? Like they have, um, they have grand ideas of what they want to do, but then they don't do anything to set out to accomplish those tasks. Um, they know what they need consciously, but they're, they're busy being tracked, I guess. And maybe, maybe that's the same as being, um, they're kind of, you know, and I've, and I found myself doing a lot that that's something that I was doing a lot with, um, recruiting individuals, okay, not, not really. I was becoming very in lot um, that that sort of your your presence in the world kind of takes a backseat. Eventually, autonomic distance, riding out, letting the body do what the body. It's easy. It's weird you stop talking and then you're you're kind of roboted out. So I was like, what is oh, what, sorry. Is, what a strange place for it to to jump up a little bit. So in kind of in we're gonna have if there are questions in the chat and hello to everyone in the chat. Of course you know I'm not looking at it. So uh but you know, if you have questions, put them in all caps so Jer can see them and we can get them to Taylor here. Uh, yes, hello. Yes. Hello out there. I love our people. They're just the best. So it's all the usual suspects. I love them. They. This is why we do it live, even though, you know, most of our hits are podcast land. So... So this said, and since you've been courting Hecate or Hecate, however you want to approach her, the dark goddess, and a lot of that realm is dealing with the hinterland, the the other side, the unseen. It's the high priestess in a way with the finger, you yep. know, uh, what you can't see, the veil is there. And uh, that comes with a lot of gravity if you will it's also very uh also there's a lot of non-gravity as well but what i mean by gravity is it 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 can pull you in and uh, i've long been an admirer of the dark goddess i think my whole life has been dedicated to her in her many aspects in the many many aspects of the dark goddess uh so that's that's definitely where I vibe, but there is a gravity as I was talking about, and it's I find I have found in my journey that it can be a separating experience where there's something about that particular pathway that separates you from people more, and I sense it in because it's the call inward. The dark goddess is not the hillock land. It's not this other stuff. This is, we're now talking about the inner world and we're talking about all the mysteries within the inner world. And at this point, this is when you start parsing out some of this really 
deep, dark stuff that doesn't involve the outer world. And so I didn't get a sense for your your nature through this this little chat, Taylor, of have you been more of an extrovert in your life or more of an introvert? Where do you see yourself? Where have you fallen for the majority of your life until you started getting this call from the land below? Squarely in the middle of but I I very um I cling to the whole introvert thing out of public, um, but feel very much like I'm in my entire life. I've felt very much like a middle person in a lot of ways. And might have something to do with it. Kind of, you know, on total start. Um, but I've I feel like at times when I need to be, I can be very extroverted and. When I don't see, I'm very comfortable uh, with myself. Reading, things, doing a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, it's really kind of both. No, absolutely. There's no black and white in my world. It's all spectrum, and and we slide. I mean, one of those key union things is the ability to change consciousness at will. So when you need to be an extrovert, you are an extrovert. And I think at the core for me, and again, this comes back to that same filter is where does one feel energized? So, and I think that's where they create that axis of, are you more energized around other people and outer world experiences or, you know, yourself or intimate small intimate groups etc so that that kind of stuff i think are those are kind of the buoys but it, it's for me it's definitely about changing consciousness at will but it was not always and it's it's difficult and for example if i go out to something it takes me a day or two to get over depending on how many people i interacted with you know, energetically, because I just feel like I've had a straw thrown in, stuck in me and sucked dry. And I am not new at this game. So it just doesn't matter. And so, I, you know, I definitely feel more introverted. But my lens on the world, and I think this is, well, I know this is what I was kind of getting at, is always geared inward. Is, you know, I'm always like, how is this I'm looking out and I'm seeing these circumstances in my life. There, here's all this stuff going on, whether there's drama and I don't like drama. So there's not a lot of drama in my life, but whatever's going on in on a personal level, not collective. And I'm always parsing out, how is this significant to me? Where, how am I going to get around this hurdle? And and traverse this. And when I look back to a lot of it's just by my bootstraps. I mean, I, I've been very fearless and we'll just go. <laughs> so there's not a lot of forethought in, in some of the things I've done because there's some weird trust in the universe. And so I guess that's where I'm at. Are you, and, and this comes back to this, we didn't even ask your astrological stuff. What is your sun, moon, and rising and tropical and Vedic, if you know it? 
I, uh, yeah, so Leo, Sun, um, Aquarius, Moon, uh, Virgo, Rising. Mm. Um, I don't, I'm not with the property, um, for Vedic. I, I, tropical, I guess, is the only type I've ever really looked at. I, I've, I've never seen a, my Vedic chart. You just um, roll the Vedic backwards, fine. So, so you said a Leo Sun? And then your rising was Virgo. Yep. Yeah, definitely in the trop for me in the tropical, uh, the rising is the most important. And so there's the Mercury. So this I'm if a we Virgo look at, rising. And if we look at that, it, I can see that it's so clear in Jerry, especially with his creative stuff. Just look at how people are attracted to Jerry. Uh, Mercury is exalted there, and so. When we think about this conversation with you, Taylor, you've brought that mercurial energy into everything. And so this is how we're definitely not, I'm not surprised to hear this. I love the Aquarian energy, by the way, the far out stuff that used to drive me younger, me crazy. But as we're moving into this age too, uh, I think the Taurus in me, is now able to ride the Aquarian <laughs> energy. It used to drive me crazy. Then my brother it used to is drive a me crazy too. I understand. My brother's born on the high holiday, February second, and we just could not see eye to eye. <laughs> I got questions when you're done. Oh, cool! I was hoping there would be questions for Taylor. What do you got? I have a bunch. Let's see. So here's one. Do you feel astral travel can be dreams or dream? The dream state is astral. I think that's kind of what he's getting at. I do. I feel like they are at least related. Um, I don't feel like that makes it more or less real to the, the person experiencing them. Um, you know, dreams are how we experience the astral, how we travel through the astral. And I think sometimes people get caught up in the idea of traveling astrally through the physical world um and i i think that while that is doable and maybe even um you know uh important um i think a big part of astral travel is is you know the the idea that you you're your astral right your star your 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 kind of divine spark is traveling through the dreamlands um, traveling your mind and the collective mind of everybody, mm -hmm. um, which is why I think we can have experiences with each other through the, you know, where we can we can dream into other people's dreams, right? Like we can have these shared. All right. Um, another question I had: Do you communicate telepathically? Oh man, uh, I have not. I have. Uh, Tried some remote viewing. Um, on Wednesdays? I may have tried it on Wednesday. <laughs> because, of, because of Mercury? Or is uh, that... No, it's an inside joke. In, oh, okay. Isn't that Ren's thing? I no. participated in Ren's no, uh, no, project no. a little bit. Um, I had a very interesting experience where I remote viewed a target and got a very clear answer uh, and then was wrong about, about my target but almost perfectly identified another person's target and they almost perfectly identified mine, which was super weird. Oh, that's so very interesting. Strange. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, no, no, no telepathy though. No, no okay. mental. Just so, means you need to work on that. Yes. Has the, the Dark Mother influenced your tarot deck? Very much so. Mm. Uh, the moon card is completely dedicated. And the last question I had here is um, what card out of the deck do you relate to most? Oh, that's a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to pick one. Uh, death. Because it's, it's, it's all about endings. Alchemy, right? Like, Mm-hmm. It's the Negrito. It's breaking stuff down. It's the nine eleven, <laughs> right? How so? Well, nine is completion. Eleven's new beginnings. It's okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, I never thought about that. Um, sure. <laughs> I don't know. It just came to my head. I don't know. Okay, that's plus, interesting. Plus the color green. Who's wearing green tonight? Because it's coming in strong. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> the death cards also talk about that that's um also the dark goddess here in the realm yes. yeah absolutely actually have uh have one. oh excellent yeah oh they're so elegant though taylor i love your card come on it's a cbs logo i can tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a couple sides. I've got the sort of yin yang vibe. I've got omega, and one of my favorites from, uh, which is uh, black sun. Yes, very. Yeah, it's funny. I'm so glad it didn't get fully co opted like some of the other symbols, uh, because they're just unless you're in India, you know, they're just some of them are taboo and amazing because they're keys to protect you from the the bad stuff and it just is it's that now in the upside down world and you know what i'm talking about oh yeah in the upside down world it's the bad stuff but yet it's actually the sigil to protect you <laughs> it is pretty amazing how yeah culture can can go up and destroy uh how you know it really shows how how we make meaning yes absolutely and twist it because that's a symbol that particular symbol that the indians at least still keep it in action uh it's so potent and it has nothing to do with with skin color or anything like that it just amazes me and we can take this back in religion and look at how the you know the abrahamic religions took and transformed you know the different indigenous religions the pagan folks and all that and and uh switched all that up and then the the reversal of the kabbalah and i mean it's just it's so hard to navigate but once you start seeing once you get onto a thread and you start unraveling the big ball they all kind of things start to line up it's just a matter of opening your mind it's the whole matrix thing. <laughs> yeah. I love the black sun too. It's an amazing thing. The eclipse, people forget this. The solar eclipse is an absolute representation of it. Yeah, absolutely. And powerful. That happened just before I lost my job. That big solar <laughs> eclipse was August yes. of 2017. <laughs> 
interesting. <laughs> and the black sun is ending in, you know, depending, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, right? But I, yeah. I, I associate it very heavily with Nico about. Oh, the as break the breakdown. Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The desolation. Not to mention that eclipse kind of, it, it divided the country physically and for real in, a way, so? in a way. <clears throat> so it, so the weird things about that eclipse were that it, was it Bend, Oregon was where it started, right? Um, I believe so. I'm pretty sure this okay. is correct. And Oregon is the 33rd state. And it's, okay. it ended, I forget the town in South Carolina, but it was right on the 33rd parallel. Oh, so it's, it split this diagonal across the country. It split the country into yep. two, you know, figuratively. But it was right about then that the country started to be divided by presidency. And there was all this shit about Trump, uh, the eclipse, and the, the Lionsgate, and Leo, and all that, yada, yada. All the seven, because he was going to be 77, or I forget. His birthday's like July 7th. It was crazy. I just remember all the numerology was lining up for it. It'd be a oh. very divisive thing. Yeah. I remember that day. Uh, I was I was working at this shitty job that I lost that I'm thankful that I don't work there anymore. The, at, at a pharmaceutical place that I work. And I was working on my computer and watching a stream of the eclipse. And I, I took an hour for lunch left home and uh, it was a really cloudy day, but I could like you know you could see it. up here in Minnesota we got really a partial eclipse, but you could see it. You could see the strange crescent shape of the of the sun, and it really it was like burning the sun in the uh, very interesting, very very interesting experience. I remember driving back to work, and there was like twenty or thirty people standing outside watching at during the peak. Um, it's like standing outside with these gum glasses looking up at the sky and uh every you know work work kind of stopped for a little bit. A really cool experience the sorry i, I love was the <laughs> no i was gonna say okay go jerry um fuck. i was gonna go i was all set up to go and meet people there and everything and i just decided a lot of people were like don't go don't go I'm like okay i won't go kind of i kind of got spooked so i didn't go and ended up getting zero pictures of the eclipse that were good. So the whole reason I was going was to take pictures. And I'm glad I didn't go because it was, you know, a nightmare. Apparently. I was going to, I'm sorry, I was going to Hopkinsville to where the, the totality was. I think it's in Tennessee. But I, I was going because, okay, so Guy Consolmagno, the, the uh, director of the Vatican Observatory, was giving a speech that weekend before i was going to go to that and film it and hopefully get an interview with him and then go take pictures of the eclipse yeah i didn't go i just ended up staying home it was a weird day i remember the whole day it was just like when the when the eclipse happened it was quiet fuck like there were no birds couldn't really hear anything i remember so, hearing about that people were reporting it. i i've i you know this Scientific explanation is like, oh, it's a strange situation and freaked out the animals out. They were not used to it because it, it darkened everything. Yeah, it did. It did. It's, that's what eclipses do. There's, yeah. um, it's, it was, I'm, it was right here under it in the, in 
I wasn't in Bend, but I'm right here in that yeah, area. Beginning. And it was magical. It was creepy and creepy. mysterious. <laughs> and indeed, it was being worked. And it was worked. And it was uh, set in motion a lot of stuff that we're now seeing. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole point. And that's the whole point of working with angles and alignments and uh, these emanations from celestial, whatever they are, bodies. There's this L luminaries. deeper- Luminaries, yes. Mm -hmm. There's wandering this deeper- stars. Wandering stars under the great water. <laughs> Jerry, on that note too, we need, if anyone's out there that's in Noxmantayland, I really, really, really want to get an exorcist on our show or two or three That'd be uh, super cool. yeah please hit us up real one like through if possible even an x1 through the i'm hoping through the vatican and not i'll take what i can get but I, i'd love to have we got to get uh, uh, zagami you know, on rated. isn't he an exorcist or a demonologist i don't know and he kind of went he kind of went black he was everywhere and then he just went dark that's the perfect time to get someone, right? Right. <laughs> but I want to get, I would like to get that conversation going with, uh, on that level with a couple hardcore uh, people in that realm. In the realm of like, spirit work like that? In the realm of spirit work that are also deep Christians. So like the, the Catholic exorcist department, I'd love to get those. I'd love to have a charismatic Pentecostal, David, hello, out there, Craven, uh, an interesting one that would be open to the show. Come I, on. I know I, someone else who yeah, doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> See, yeah, that's the thing. We need, we, need some, we need them to be open to the show, but I think that our people listening that listen for the sake of uh, expansion would would enjoy some of that. So, but on that note, here we are. Yeah. So, Is Taylor, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to? <laughs> oh man, I'm almost <laughs> nowhere. Uh, well, I, so I'm on. I'm on Twitter. I'm at um, Aetic. Yeah, there you go. A e t t i c. Um, Sigilarcanum.com. Yep, that's the one. Uh, there's the Kickstarter page for that, which is obviously done. Um, I don't really use Facebook. I have one, but I don't use it. Um, my name is Taylor Bell. Find there. I'll probably find it eventually. I don't Discord. think. I think you just only have a Sigil Arcanum page on Facebook. You don't have a. I. You know what? I have a real page. Uh, it might be hidden. It's hidden. Uh, I, I. I. I hate Facebook so much that I try to stay off it as much as possible. Um, but yes, Discord. <laughs> um, Amen's I, brother. Yeah, he's in our Discord. If you join our Discord. Of the uh, Nox Mente Discord. He's also in the Cruising with Steak Discord. Yep. Steak Taco. And uh, the uh, uh, Lunar Cry Ren's, Discord. Ren's Discord. Ren's Discord, yeah. Um, we're we're all in like I, the same Discords. What's your number, though, in Discord so people can just Good find question. Oh. I am Taylor uh, Pound 8597. Cool. Um, so feel free to hit me up if you have questions or want to like yell at me. <laughs> Don't yell at me. You know, whatever. 
Taylor, this has been wonderful. And we we definitely need to have more. I, I'm completely interested in how your precog stuff is going to unfold because it's there from the beginning with you. It took a pause and now it's back full force. You're coming online psychically. And I say that not as a new ager. I say that as a deep magician myself. And uh, I have to say, because people think psychic and then they think there's this a connotation. I'm not, and anyone that knows, knows what I mean. Yep. So I'm interested in how you're unfolding and intrigued deeper. And from someone who brought forth that tarot deck, it's promising. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm intrigued as well, and I can't wait to see where it goes. So thank you and both for giving me the time to talk about stuff. Oh, you're welcome. It's been awesome. Yes, yeah, sorry it's, really it's taken so long to get you on the show. Oh, it's fine. I, I'm <laughs> glad that it did because if it if, if we had gone ahead and done it when I first reached out, I wouldn't have um, had that dream. <gasps> I know. Uh, I the, know. The moon. Oh my god! And that was like the pinnacle of this this particular chat so far. It, it's it's uh, been on my mind a while. <laughs> well, I'll send my thank you to everyone in the chat that I love. Our chat's so great. Um, yeah, thank you for people listening and, and uh, asking questions and stuff. And future listeners. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And next week we have uh, Suzanne Ross. I forget what her deal is, but I think it's something. <laughs> isn't isn't she a psychic or something, Jerry? I think she's. I don't know. One minute she looked very interesting when I was looking her up. She's into ancient aliens and stuff. She's a global ascension leader, something like that. Yeah, she's I a, usually, when I don't know them, I binge them the week before. I'll be binging her this yeah, week. Yeah, me too. But it should be a good show, and uh, we got some great stuff lined up for February and March. Got some big folks I'm trying to get on the show. So And be... hopefully we get an exorcist. And hopefully <laughs> we get an exorcist. Just put that out there. Thanks everyone for listening and tuning in and uh, downloading our show and being a fan and all that. And we love you and have a great week. Good night. Thank you. <laughs>